In this episode, Tanner walks us through estate planning and all that goes into it. I myself and my wife do not currently have a will or an estate plan in place. So we approach this episode as a case study as to why we should get one, what questions to ask and what the process actually looks like. So hopefully I did a good job of asking questions. We covered a lot of information in this episode and we hope that you can take it and apply it to your situation. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe and leave us a review. to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. My bracket is busted. Two weekends into March Madness. It didn't even take two weekends for my brackets. They were terrible after the first weekend. Thank you, Kentucky. (laughs) Thank you, Iowa. Thank you, Auburn. All of the upsets, totally missed on all of them. Tanner, did you do any better than I did? Uh, No, not much. Not much at all. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Had Iowa go into the final four. Um had Auburn going pretty far. Definitely did not see Kentucky losing, you know, first weekend. Um, I have a few still in the runnings, so maybe I can salvage a somewhat respectable bracket, but otherwise it's looking pretty bad. <sighs> yeah, every year. Every year. No matter how much or little I pay attention to, it seems like never really good at that. But I feel like I enjoy more survivor pools more than brackets these days. So uh, have you ever heard of a survivor pool or no. participated in one? No. What's that? Um, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, fantasy football where you, you, you're a survivor pool and you pick one team um, every week. Or in this case, um, the tournament is 10 days. So um, you have to make a pick each day. And once you pick a team... Uh, you can no longer pick that team again. So you have to survive each day. So um, the strategy is um, the seed of the team that you pick accumulates points. It's kind of like darts on um, the game of cricket. So you want to accumulate points, but you also want to survive the day. So um, every pick or entry is $10, $20, whatever. Um, and each day you make a, a selection of a team and you have to be the last one standing and the last one standing takes the pot. So um, I've done that the last two years and that's a lot more fun, I think, and a lot more stressful. <laughs> sure. Um, so the first we or first day I picked Wisconsin. So they were a three seed, so I got three points and then I moved on to day two. Um, and I picked, no mate, no wait, it was um, the first day was St. Mary's. They were a five seed, they won. And then Wisconsin was day two. So I had eight points uh, heading into day three, and I was probably, I think we had like 161 brackets, so quite a bit of money at stake. Um, 
and I think the first day, I think 60 or 70 people had Iowa. So right oh. off the bat, day one, it was just slashed in half. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you losers. Um, uh, so day three came along, and so the the you, you want to accumulate points. So at that point, St. Peter's had beat Kentucky, um, and my dryer just went off. Um, St. Peter's had beat Kentucky and, uh, Murray state was their, um, matchup in, in that day or the second week. Um, and Murray state was favored by like eight points in Vegas. So they were the highest seed that was favored. So I had a chance at seven points. So I was like, well, this is a no brainer. So we're going to pick Murray state. No, and they end up losing. the peacocks. <sighs> yeah. So I St. think Peter's at that point peacocks. there was like, 61 brackets left and 37 of us picked murray state <laughs> oh no so just another huge uh chop at the axe so uh, after three days i made it two correct picks so whoopie do but yeah well, it's one of those things where it's like do i go chalky and pick a favorite or do i go and get points and be bold but i mean the the leader had like Miami and New Mexico State right off the bat. So, I mean, just two huge wins, 22 points right there. I was like, right. oh, man. Up yeah, that's hard to catch up to that, too. The winner last year was forced into picking UCLA. It was like 11 seed in like the last game. He had already picked all the other ones, so he had to, and he was um, down in points. Um, and the other two had to pick the number one seed. I forget who it was. Um, or didn't have to, they could have picked UCLA or I forget who they played in the final four. Yeah, I don't and, remember. And uh, they ended up picking the high seed and losing because of it. So dude got extremely lucky and won like three grand. <laughs> nice. Uh, that does sound interesting. Maybe we'll do it next year. Well, I can't be any worse than this year, so I'm open to it. True. All right, episode 16. Uh, we are talking about estate planning in this episode. Um, we'll talk about everything you need to know when it comes to estate planning. And we've structured this episode to kind of be a case study, I think we're calling it. Um, myself, uh, my wife and son, we do not have an estate set up. So I'm brand new to all of this and hopefully we'll have the same type of questions that our listeners will have if you don't have an estate um, set up. So hopefully that's kind of a, a simulation of the listeners to take and, and um, ask the same questions or, or maybe garner some other questions that you can take to an attorney or whomever you want to set this up. So Tanner, with that said, where do you want to start when it comes to estate planning? Um, what is it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good place to start is what is estate planning. Um, and, and it's just, you know, the reverse of the words. It's planning your estate. So your estate is all the stuff that you own. Um, you know, so when you pass away, uh, you know, what do you want to do with that? Or where do you want it to go? Or who do you want it to go to? Or, um, you know, just different things like that. Um, if you don't have an estate plan set up, uh, every state out there um, that that people can live in has their own set of rules. I, I do hear this a lot where people say, you know, oh, you need an estate plan or the government's going to take your money. Nope, 
not the case. Uh, the government just says where your money goes. And, you know, typically that's going to be to your spouse if they're still living. If not, it goes, you know, down to your kids if you have any. If you don't, it goes up to your parents if they're still alive. If they're not, it tries to go out to siblings if you have any. And then it just kind of works its way out, you know, along your family tree and tries to find the nearest relative, um, you know, to you to give that to. Now, maybe that's what you want. Maybe it's what you don't want. Um, you know, we don't really know. The way to make sure that you get what you want and that your assets go to who you want is by, you know, sitting down with an attorney and getting an estate plan set up. So just at the beginning, that's that's kind of all of it. The estate plan is the overarching, uh, all-encompassing, all of the different documents that are out there that are necessary or potentially necessary for um, you know creating your estate. Obviously, you would suggest everybody getting one. Is that a, a correct yeah. assumption? Yep. Any okay, um, and anybody over eighteen, uh, you need to be eighteen to do one. Sure. Um, and then the next question: When would be the best time? I think in my brain, um, the reason why we haven't done it yet um, would probably be because we hadn't started a family yet, but now we probably should. Um, so is that kind of like that first time to set that document up and revise it is when you get married or, or and or start a family? Yeah, that's uh, that's typically when people will um, start it. Uh, or act- I see kind of two things. One is is that at that point, yeah, people and not even get married. It tends to be once you know people have a kid or several kids, they'll, you know, say, oh, we need to get our state planning together. You know, we need to get a will. We need to get our documents that we need set up. Um, so I see that. Or the other one is, is, you know, a lot of people, um, I think the number is, it might be over, just over 50%, I think, or, or right around there, if we'll just say 50%. Um, of of people don't have an estate plan set up so a lot of people don't have anything and then they make it all the way through their working years have family don't have family whatever their situation is and then they get to retirement and then in retire or or near retirement and then they'll set one up Um, i do not recommend that um you know if you don't have an estate plan it's kind of that i know we did it on a couple podcasts ago um the or a couple episodes ago the the Chinese proverb of when's the best time to plant mm-hmm. a tree is 20 years ago. Um, second best time is today. And, and that's the same thing with state planning. If you don't have one highly, highly recommend getting one and getting one sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I know it's not fun to think about, um, you know, death and, and, and dying and, and it, you know, it's, it definitely is not the, the, the unfortunate part is there's no, no way, uh, no way of getting around that or, or getting out of here alive. So since it is going to happen to all of us, um, you know, sitting down, thinking about, uh, you know, where you want your assets to go. Um, not only does it make sure your assets get to where 
you want them to go, it also makes your family's life a lot easier. Um, they know what your wishes are. They're not trying to guess about that. Um, you know, after you've passed away, they know who's in charge. They don't need to waste money going to court. You know, if you get things set up correctly, you can avoid probate. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Um, but it just, yeah, it makes your family's life a lot easier as well so that they can, you know, do it, do what they should be doing. And, and, you know, mourning the loss of you and being able to process that rather than having to deal with a bunch of legal, um, you know, and financial things because nothing was taken care of. So I would say for sure when you get married and now there's another person that you're, you know, somewhat responsible for should be when everyone gets it. But at the same time, I mean, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a single person in your 30s um, and you have assets, uh, you know, it's a good idea to get an estate plan for you as well. Because if something happens to you, you know, you're even though you're not married or maybe you don't have kids, your siblings or your parents know, you know, what to do and where um, how you want your, you know, your your estate taken care of. Everything's included in the estate, obviously, right? All businesses, assets. Um, yep. everything, everything you own. Yeah. So an estate is everything you own. And yeah, I mean, what they, yeah, for dependents, I mean, that's part of it. If you have kids under 18, you'd nominate who would be the guardian of them. If something happened to, you know, both parents um, after uh, or prior to the kid becoming 18, you know, there needs to be a guardianship. And if you don't choose who it is, you know, the courts will, will do that. And Again, they're not going to take them and put them in foster care. They're going to give them to the next most logical um, person, typically, you know, parents and, or, or I guess it would be grandparents and or aunts and uncles. But, you know, it may not be the people that you would choose. So, again, just getting all of that out there of, of what, um, you know, you want in place is is good. It's just a good idea to do as early as you can. So who, who does um, estate planning? Is it just a, an attorney or is there financial firms that do that? Or, or what steps do we need to take to find someone that'll write this up for us? Uh, yeah, so obviously attorneys do it. Um, there are others out there, depending upon what state you live in. Um, like Arizona allows people who are not attorneys, they're called legal document preparers, to be able to do estate planning. Um, I, you know, I'm biased, obviously, because I went to law school um, and I know how rigorous that is. Um, I would never recommend someone get an estate plan done by anyone other than an attorney. Um, I mean, it's I equate it to, you know, needing open heart surgery. And are you going to have the, you know, I, 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 you know, the nurse do it or or someone like, no, you're having the surgeon do it. It's very you know, and can be very complex. And if something is wrong, you know, the ramifications can be pretty great. And, uh, you know, so I, like I said, there are other people out there that can do it, but I don't think anyone should do that. I don't like legal zoom or any of that either, because again, it's, you're not getting, you're, you're paying for someone to, to do this for you. So you want to go to an attorney 
who's going to give you the advice you need to make sure that your state plan is set up how you want rather than legal zoom where you fill out a bunch of information or a legal document preparer that didn't go to law school and you're hoping that you're you know going to get it get it right type of thing so just do yourself a favor it might cost a little bit more but do yourself a favor and just have an attorney um, and particularly an attorney who specializes in estate planning um, do that you know do your estate plan for you can you can you walk us down how long that takes or what that that meeting or consultation is like when we sit down and start hashing out all of the things that you own or how, how does that uh, consultation work when you've um, for example, me and Greta show up to your office and we're, we're, we're estate planning. What are the things that, uh, how do you prepare that document for um, finalization? Yeah. Yep, yep. So um, typically you, know, you reach out um, and find an estate planning attorney that you want to work with. You can ask him some questions. But once you pick who you want to go with, they're going to send you out um or they'll likely send you out kind of an information packet to get a bunch of information from you from the start. And then you'll have kind of a discovery meeting where they go over the information, chat with you about what your desires are. So, um, you know, filling out that discovery packet maybe takes an hour. Um, if, if you have to look some things up, maybe, maybe a couple of hours. And then that first meeting is typically an hour, hour and a half, maybe. Um, and then that gives the you know the attorney a really good idea of where you're at, what stuff you own, what what's your goals, what um, what you're trying to accomplish with the estate plan, and then you know then they are off and running. They draft it, and you know depending upon how busy they are and different things, um, you know I don't want to put timelines on and you know attorneys that you know because um, I'm not them. I don't know what their business are, you know, but I would think you know you could get something done in, um, you know, anywhere between two weeks to a couple months. Just depends how busy the attorney is, but also how quickly clients respond. And, you know, there's going to be questions and how quickly, you know, uh, you and Greta would go home and discuss and, and come up with an answer to something um, dictates how fast things can get done too. So um, it, it's a little bit of a process, but nothing that's, you know, it's not going to take you a year to get this done, or it definitely should not. If you agree. Well, right. And that's, that's where you could have <laughs> things that, that take some time. I mean, if, if, uh, you know, if you and Greta disagree on something and it takes you three months to decide on something, well, obviously your estate plan can't get done because the attorney doesn't know how to finish or how to do a certain part of it until you make that decision. Because it's not their right. decision to make, it's, it's your and Greta's decision. How complex does the web get for some people if, with the if this happens and this happens and if that oh, and that? I super mean. complex, super complex. Sure. Uh, you that know, and especially, awful. yeah, especially when you bring in businesses um, or, you know, generational wealth, people that are, are wealthy and they want to set up trusts for kids and grandkids and, um you know, a previous career of mine right out of law school, I was working in Nebraska and, you know, one of the clients there, um, they, you know, very, very wealthy grandma, grandpa started a business, very, very wealthy, uh, some money passed down to mom and dad. And then mom and dad were working on their estate plan. And 
they were putting money into trust for their kids and um the the only way for the kids to be able to get money out of the trust were if they were I can't remember exactly the terminology that they used anymore, but it's something to the extent of like outstanding and productive citizens to society. And so, of course, we were like, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. So then they wrote another two pages that was an appendix describing what they wanted. And so if the kids kind of followed along with that, then they could get money out of the trust. If they weren't, then they couldn't. So you can... Once you get into the trust world, and we'll start breaking down the different areas of estate planning here, um, but once you get into the trust world, you can make that as complex or as easy as you want. Hmm. And how often do you review those? A good rule of thumb is a minimum of every five years, you should take it out and look at it to see if things have changed. You know, sometimes people you have listed in there have passed away or they've moved away or, you know, if you have friends listed or, you know, just different things, you want to make sure that everyone you have listed is still um, obviously alive, uh, is still able to act on your behalf uh, or is still someone that you want to act on your behalf. Um, So just you know, check, and you don't have to go to an attorney to do that. Just read through them. You know who the people are. Um, you know, you and Greta would know who you'd have listed, and and if you want them to continue being those positions or those beneficiaries um, of it. Uh, and then the other one is any major life change. So, you know, um, if there's a a death, if there is, um, you know, if you guys have another kid, you know, if you. Um, you know, really kind of kind of anything like if you inherit a bunch of money, you know, big, big life changes, you know, job changes obviously are, are life changing, but don't really change your estate plan. Um, so kind of just those those really big life changes and and or every five years. Um, I don't want this to be a deterring factor, but do you just pay the attorney's hourly fee or how much is a uh, and probably based on the complexity of the estate how how much is an uh, an estate plan um most attorneys these days are not doing it per hour it's a you know like a package deal where if you get a a will package you know which is gonna have a will and all the documents necessary it's x if you add on a trust on top of that it's y um you know whatever their prices are um as far as pricing goes, it's that's gonna vary. Um, it's gonna depend on, you know, the caliber of attorney you're working with, and actually a lot of where you live in the country too. I mean, the prices in in Marshall, Minnesota, are gonna be a lot different than the prices we have here in Phoenix. Just like homes are anything, so um, I I can't really give a a price again i don't want to say what other attorneys are charging for something since that's that's kind of their you know their wheelhouse so to speak but um you know i i would think if it's something that's not super complex uh you're looking at two three thousand dollars as uh probably a, a maximum most places in in the country um and that would be you know with a trust um if you just have a will it should be less than that um, you know, the, the first thing I think everyone's probably heard of, so we'll start with a will. 
um, you know, what is a will? A will is just, uh, you know, again, it's the, the document that you have saying uh, where you want your stuff to go, um, who you want it to go to, uh, and so that you have that laid out rather than your stuff going, um, you know, as the state statutes have it written out. Um, and who needs one? Uh, again, we've kind of gone over this a little bit, but you know, pretty much everyone, um, anyone, once you become age of majority, so 18 in most states, you can have a will. Uh, probably don't have a ton of assets, you know, as a, as a kid and as a student, um, you know, between age 18 and I don't know, 25 ish. Um, so it's probably not as important. Um, but you know, you still could get one done there, but once you start, you know, once you get your first career, start making some good money, uh, you have a, a family, you get married, any of that, you have kids, any of that, you definitely want to get, um, get in and talk with an attorney and, and, uh, you know, you definitely need a will. Everyone who has an estate plan will get a will for sure. Everyone will need that. And then kind of that second piece is, do you need a trust? So what a trust is, is it is a, uh, kind of a, think of it like a, a vehicle, um, that holds assets or can hold assets, um, and, and allow a lot more control and flexibility for, um, again, we're going back and using you, you and, and Greta. Um, so if you guys wanted to have a trust, it would allow a lot more um, flexibility and control over the assets you own. And when beneficiaries, we're just going to say Miles is your beneficiary, when he can access the funds. So if you just have a will, and something happens to the two of you, he's going to get that money at age 18. Whatever you have, he's getting it at 18. Or if you have a trust, you can if say... If we're gone. Correct. Right? Yeah, yes, or, yes, yes. This is... Okay. The only time an estate plan comes into play is once you've passed away. So okay. if you're alive, none of this matters. Um, but uh, the... if or you guys, one of us. Sorry, uh, no, but. no, you're fine. Nope. Cause, cause you guys own everything jointly. So again, if, if you pass away and Greta is still alive, she gets all of your stuff. Sure. Unless okay. you, unless you dictate otherwise, but she would get all your stuff. So then now she'd be the owner of all of it. And then it wouldn't go to miles at 18 unless she chose to give it to him. Um, okay. you know, again, an estate plan is designed. All the documents deal with either you have passed away or, something has happened and you are uh, what they call incapacitated. You're, you're in a coma or something like that where you cannot make decisions for yourself. You know, you have Alzheimer's, you know, something like that where you can't make decisions for yourself anymore. That's the only time estate plans come into play. If, you know, you and Greta are healthy and living life just like you are now. You have an estate plan. Well, you don't have one, but once you get one set up, it's just there waiting until something happens and then it goes into play. But when you guys are, are fine and, and alive and, and, you know, working and doing everything, it's still your money. You do it in your assets. You do with it what you please. Um, so again, get back to the trust a little bit. It, it allows more flexibility and, um, you know, control. So if something were to happen to both you and Greta before miles is 18, you could have a trust and say all of our assets into the trust 
for the benefit of miles, of course. So money can come out of it to help pay for health, education, maintenance, support, you know, different things like that. But he doesn't just get a lump sum um, of whatever. Let's say you and Greta win the, the, the Powerball and you're worth $50 million. You know, woohoo. That's good. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So you have a trust now and something happens to you. If you only or, or if you only have a will in that situation and something happens to you, Miles is going to get $50 million dropped into his lap or whatever that value is when he turns 18. So that's where people a lot of times will get a trust and they'll say, no, no, put all the assets into trust. It's there for him if he needs, you know, different things throughout his life, clothing, schoolwork, uh, you know, a car, probably not a Ferrari, probably something more sensible. Um, but there's money in there that can be utilized for his benefit, but he doesn't just have, it's not just sitting in a checking account where he can take it out and do whatever he wants with it. He has to go to a trustee who is someone you name and you decide who that is. That's the think of him as like the manager of the trust. Miles would have to go to them and say, you know, hey, trustee, I'm 16 now. I need a car. They'll say, sounds good. What type of car do you want? And he says, I want a Ferrari. They'll say, probably not going to work out. But if he says, I want a Toyota Camry. Okay, here's the money for that out of the trust. Let's get you that car because that's what mom and dad would have done. Um, so the, the trust allows the it allows more control and then you can set ages or parameters around when and how much money miles would get. So a lot of times clients will do the standard is thirds, you know, at age 25, he gets the first third of the trust two thirds stays in there so that he gets a taste of some of the money. But if he makes really bad choices and blows all the money, at least two-thirds of it is in there, and hopefully he learns over the next five years not to do that. <laughs> then he gets another third, and then he'd get another, th- you know, at 30, and then another third at 35. Or, you know, and that's just the standard one. But people can choose whatever ages, whatever percentages that they want, or they can leave it in trust forever and just say, he never gets this money outright. It is there for him to take funds out with trustee guidance over the top. Uh, you know, you have some of those, um, particularly if, uh, you know, the beneficiaries have uh, special needs or substance abuse. Um, a lot of times clients will uh, put, put that money into trust, you know, for the lifetime of that beneficiary. And it doesn't mean that they can't eventually get to all of it. It just means that the money that comes out of it has some oversight every time that it comes out. Can anybody be a trustee? Just has to be named? Yes, yes. So anyone can be a trustee. Um, it's Is it usually a third party or somebody that has you know, knowledge of the person or a friend or yeah, yeah. better or worse? Uh, it, it, that, that's a conversation I have with people all the time. Um, it, there's pros and cons to each. Um, you, know, you and Greta could name um, Greta's parents as trustee. On one hand, that's really great. They probably would act. They probably wouldn't you know, charge any money. They'd probably do it for free. Maybe they wouldn't, but they probably would do it for free. Um, they know you're, obviously, they know you guys very, very well. They're Greta's parents. But 
they're not professional trustees. Um, and there are rules and there are, you know, there is liability and there are things that have to happen as a trustee. So they'd have to learn those things and make sure that they're doing them. Um, on the flip side, there are professional trustee companies out there that you could hire. That's an independent third party. Um, and then the pros and cons are just the opposite. They are experts at what they do. So you know that your trust is going to be managed exactly how you want it to be, but they don't know your family history as well. Um, and they cost, you know, they cost money. They don't work for free. So it just kind of depends on each person's family dynamic. Do they have someone that they would want to be trustee or do they not want it to be a family or a friend and they want it to be, you know, a business. So there are options, um, either either way is it just limited to one trustee or can there be a committee <laughs> or um, a board or yeah, is it uh, typically just one no no group? no you can um it typically is one um you it's your plan so you and Greta could do whatever you wanted um if you you know but there's complexities to that if you have right you know, five people Majority. and you create, exactly. You create a trustee committee of five people. Well, now all five people have to get together. So they're going to want to get paid and that's going to cost some money. Um, hmm. You know, when you hire a business, uh, a trust company, um, you know, again, that's just one business being named, but they obviously have numerous people working there. So that does become kind of a committee um decision and a business decision even though it's just one business being named so you get a little bit more of that through the business side but typically it is just one person um, and then people will want to think of adding a backup they call it a successor you know if something happens to the first person or if they choose not to be trustee or stop being trustee because they have a right to do that then it's good to have a backup so that you know you have that listed and the next person can kind of pick up and, and, you know, start, start being the trustee rather than having to go to court and have a court and name, figure it out and name the next person who's going to be trustee. So you always want to have, and they know that they know that going into it. I mean, they have to agree to it. You said you had, they had to, Oh no, up and Nope. You, no? yeah. Oh. I mean, like again, using you and Greta, you could name Greta's parents. I always recommend that people let their parties know, but it's not a requirement because it's not a requirement for their for them to serve. So if something happened to you and Greta and then all of a sudden, you know, Greta's parents are like, we don't want to do this. Well, then if you've named a successor trustee, it would go to them and they would do it unless they don't want to do it. Or if you don't have anyone named, then you have to go to court and court will appoint someone or typically courts a lot of times will appoint um, a business at, at that point to, you know, a trust company to take over. Are there tax incentives to, to, you mentioned it as a vehicle, the trust process. Is there a tax incentive for that versus just the lump sum of inheritance or? Uh, yes, there are definitely tax incentives depending upon um, everybody's situation. Uh, you know, I don't want to go through all of them, obviously, because it's so client specific um, and, and individual person or, or couple specific. Uh, it tends to be 
you know, retirement accounts have tax advantages to go into trusts if it's drafted correctly. Businesses can. Um, if you're worth a boatload of money, that can have tax advantages to get money into a trust. Um, highly appreciated asset. You know, there, there's there's different things that can. Again, that's why it's so important to go see an attorney who knows these things rather than a legal document preparer or someone like that who doesn't and isn't going to give you the advice. So when you're getting your estate plan done, make sure that you ask you know, your attorney, those questions so that you're, you're getting the, you know, the estate plan set up appropriately um, and correctly for your situation to not only do what you want, but then maximize any tax savings that you could have. Yeah. Is that the main reason it was set up was, or was it just generational wealth type um, incentives was to, to as the vehicle to move assets from one generation to the next um well like uh i mean it's kind of changed as as taxes change throughout history or was it just just to put stipulations on it is that was that the whole idea of a trust i mean i think it's a lot i mean it, it puts stipulations on it um again in the past when the the federal um tax credit so the amount of money that you have to or the amount of assets you have to have uh, over that you start paying um, federal estate tax so basically federal death tax that used to be way 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 lower i mean even in the early 2000s it was as low as 600,000 per person so if you had over 600,000 in assets you were going to pay some money to the feds um, for a death tax and yeah a lot of trusts at that time were created to help with the tax situation and try to avoid a lot of that. Now that number is astronomically high. It's over 11 million per person. And as a couple, you get to combine that. So it's, you know, over 22 million. Um, and so obviously there's people in this country that have more than that. So those people are putting together state plans to avoid taxes and do that. But anyone under that level, they're basically doing tax or doing a trust or, or a state plan at this time to typically it's because they have kids. You know, their kids are under 18 and they're, they're saying, who's going to who's going to be the guardian? Uh, I don't want my kid to get a boatload of money at age 18. I want to have some strings attached to this money. I want to have some oversight on it. And that's um, that's typically where we tend to see a lot of the the trust as of now. Now, again, as Congress continues to sit there and meddle and monkey around with um, taxes and estate taxes, and because they always are tinkering with it, you know those things could change, um, and it could go back to what it was, where a lot more people are doing it for tax uh, reasons. You know, it just kind of depends um, on what's going on in in any particular year uh, with taxes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, again, just kind of a, a recap, because the first two are are dealing upon when when you pass away. So a will, everyone should need or everyone needs a will, and it just says this is where I want my assets to go. Um, some people will need a trust. This is why you should go see an attorney to discuss whether you need a trust based on what you want out of your assets, who you want it to go to, at what ages. You know, if you're a if you're a fifty year old person. 
um, a 50 year old married couple and your kids are 30 and they're financially responsible. And if something happens to you, you're fine with them getting the money right away. There's no real reason to have a trust. You could just have a will. Um, you know, you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row so that you can avoid probate. Um, but again, that's where the attorney can help you, um, accomplish that. And, you know, again, then anyone who does need a trust, it's just giving you more control over the assets um, and how they get distributed to your beneficiaries that you choose, um, you know, and at particular ages or reasons or, you know, whatever you, whatever you want, because it's your estate plan. You can get as intricate and complex as you want or, um, you know, kind of as industry standard as, as you want as well. So there's, there's tons and tons of flexibility. Um, really the goal is for any attorney doing this is doing what you, you as the client want and every client wants something slightly different. So it's custom tailoring estate plans to make sure that that gets done. So, um, those are the two that happen when you have passed away a will and, or a trust. Um, there are other documents that are part of the estate plan called powers of attorney. Now, these are documents for when you are deemed incapacitated. So again, um, you have Alzheimer's and you don't know what's going on or you're in a coma. We'll just use that one. That's the easiest for people to kind of relate to. So you're in a coma. Obviously, you can't make choices for yourself. Who do you want? But you're still alive, right? So the will and the trust haven't come into play yet. So... Who do you want to make financial and legal decisions for you while you're in that coma? That is a power of attorney for finances and, and for legal. And then there's another power of attorney for healthcare. So who do you want to make decisions for you um, for health healthcare decisions while, while you're in a coma? And again, those might be the same people um, for both powers of attorney. They may be different. Uh, just kind of, again, depends on each individual person's um, relationship with, with uh, you know, friends and family. Um, and again, just like the will and the trust, you want to name backups. You always want to name backups, um, at least one, and you can name more than one. So you can have, you know, a primary and then a, a backup and then a second backup even. You know, that's great. You got a, a chain of of kind of command, so to speak. If one person can't do it, you know, the other people can step up and, and you always have someone there helping you out. So any questions, I guess, on the power of attorney, those aren't really too complex. It's just who's going to help you out, um, you know, making healthcare decisions for you and on your behalf um, or financial legal decisions if, if you can't do so feels like a million questions you have to ask. And it could be very easy if, you know, you, your partner, check all. There you go, spouse. Um, but if you've got sticky or you hate your siblings or family, I'm sure there's a lot more uh, different answers than... Well, um, yeah. Just have, and that's, have the spouse do it or the next of kin. I don't care. But Well, yeah. right. And, and if you're married, you know... Very, very rarely is anyone named a primary that's not your spouse, right? Your spouse is always first. Um, it's sure. the it's the people after that. It's what happens if you know? Because spouses ride in vehicles together a lot. What happens if you get into a car accident? And both of you are together. You know, like 
you have to have people. You can't just rely on your spouse because something may happen to both of you at the same time. So you have to have backups. It's those people or businesses, if you go the the business route um, with a trust company, it's it's those choices that are important and that people have to, you know, you and Greta would have to, you know, and anyone else listening would have to sit down and think about and, and talk. Um, who do we want to do this? And again, the attorney that you go see will help guide you by listening to your story and listening to who you're close with, who you're not close with, you know, through their fact finding and their questioning and their meetings, they'll be able to, they're not going to pick. Attorneys never will pick the person. It's your choice to pick them, but they can give some guidance, you know, uh, Mm. financial power of attorney. The person you'd want to list on that is someone who's good with finances. You know, you don't want to have a sibling who is terrible with finances and has $100,000 in credit card debt, probably not who you want to have be your financial power of attorney. Um, sure. You know, things like that. Uh, and they can help kind of set up some qualifications, so to speak, um, that helps narrow it down. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's just sitting down and, um, you know, either you individually or sitting in with your spouse and figuring out who do you trust the most to take on these responsibilities if if you and Greta you know can't do that or if something happens to you and Greta you know who do you want to take care of miles who do you want to run the finances on behalf of miles you know different things like that how does this become legally binding how does this document become legally binding and if you I know you said get an attorney but if you don't and you this might make you cringe. Can you do it by yourself? And how do we even know that document <laughs> exists? You can do it by yourself. Um, at least in Arizona, I know you can. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's what's called a holographic will. If you, if you know, for our listeners in other states, just look that up. See if your state allows a holographic will. And what that means, it's a handwritten will. You sign it. Um, you know, it could even be typed. In, you know, in today's day and age. Um, and just signed, have it signed and witnessed, um, having a notary is, you know, better, all of that. Um, the more people witnessing, you know, can help. Um, but I'm not sure if every state still allows those or not, but technically, you know, in certain states anyways, yes, you can do your own. Um, again, I don't know why you would do that. Are you going to perform your own open heart surgery? The answer to that is no. So I don't know why someone would want to do this. I know that for people, two, three thousand dollars on the you know on a higher end if you needed a trust is a lot of money. But if you pay that once and you do it with an attorney who's good, you're doing it once. It's a one-time cost that sets up your estate plan for the rest of your life unless you have you know major, major changes, in which case you can get an amendment, which doesn't cost a whole another $3,000. They'll just amend it for you. Um, and it's, it's an investment in your time and your family's time and your peace of mind. Um, you know, if you do nothing and you have to, your family has to go through probate, well, now they have to hire an attorney to go through probate. And that tends to cost significantly more than two to $3,000. So it's, at the end of the day, it's always worth it to just 
have an estate plan and then spend a little more to have an attorney do it so you know it's done right. Um, but I do, guess to do they answer, file it somewhere with the county or what? Oh, on that side of things, no. Um, what makes it legally binding is when you sit down and sign it in front of a you know notary and witnesses. You have a signing ceremony uh, is typically what they're called. And you and Greta would sign all of the documents. You have some individual ones. She has some individual ones. You'd have your joint ones. You sign it. Witnesses are there watching you sign it. Notaries there watching you sign it. Everyone else notarizes and or signs their spots. And then it's done. And then um, some law firms will keep the originals at the law firm and give you copies. Others will um, give you the originals and they keep electronic copies. Um, but the... The big thing is, you know, I always tell people get a, a firebox or whatever fire safe, you know, type thing that is um, fireproof and you can put important documents in and store it in there. Um, you keep it in there with your, you know, your passports and titles to your vehicle and, you know, all the other important things that you have in your house. Um, and you keep it in there. And, and that's where if something were to happen to you and Greta, um, you know, family members would know to, okay. You know, and you tell them something happens to Greta and I, our estate plans in the, you know, the lock box mm. in our closet or whatever. And they go look at it and, and then they take it from there. Gotcha. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. I've been thinking about Batman and uh, <laughs> Richie Rich this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> they would need, uh, estate plans, uh, because, um, they have a lot of assets. Well, and here's one uh, right in your neck of the woods. I don't know how this played out. Um, if I remember correctly, I think I was in law school when Prince died. Prince? Yep. Sure. Um, and he died without a will. And I didn't follow up on how it all worked out. But, I mean, that clearly cost tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees, I'm sure, to get that settled when he could have, I mean, and he had a boatload of stuff. So let's say his estate plan would have cost 10 grand. Well, 10,000 is a lot less than the tens of thousands that his family had to spend to get it, you know, sorted out and have everybody fighting over things. Um, right. So I think it, it yeah, doesn't I'm matter. Looking I, that up now. Yeah. I think I was in law school when it, um, when well, that he, happened. He had, I mean, the, 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 the complex of his estate is you've got assets that are still making money and unreleased music and what to do with all that. Yeah, well, exactly. And that, um, that's my point. That makes it even more per imperative that he should have had an estate plan. The more complex of a life you have and things you have going on, the more important it is to have an estate plan. But again, like it's important for everyone to have it. It just, it's, it's significantly more important because if you don't and you have a lot of crazy stuff going on, I don't even want to say crazy, but like if you're, if you just own a business, business owner, well now mm. who's going to run the business? You know, you might have some of that in your business docs, but who, you know, it does, it does the business have to be sold and does it not? And you know, like all of that needs to play together what you have in your business succession plan and your estate plan so that they work together and that you're, you know, your heirs are not getting slammed with a bunch of taxes because, you know, they don't work together. Um, so, yeah, just. Yeah. 
It was settled uh, a couple months ago, actually. It took six years. So it's what? When did is he pass it? away? 2016. Okay. Um, so it was right after. Yep. Yeah, I got out of law school 2015. So it was a year after. June then. 30th, 2016. Nope. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That was when the video aired. No, that's but fine. yeah, 2016. So, right. So think um, about that. Two of his heirs died in the process. And so, then that uh, causes more issue because <laughs> they are going to get some of the stuff. But then now they're waiting right. for Prince's estate plan well not plan his his probate to go through and get figured out so that then they can get whatever portion they were going to get and then that has to go either into hopefully they had an estate plan or that would have to go through probate i mean again like this took six years and if he would have just had an estate plan done it could have been done in six months or a year i mean sure so and saved a, a ton of costs so again just please Please do yourself and your family a favor and, and get an estate plan. Um, yeah, that's a good public example. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and, it, and it happens, like I said, half of Americans don't have one. So it continues to happen more and more often um, that people don't have it. And, um, you know, it ends up costing the family more money than it would have just to go pay the thousand two thousand three thousand whatever dollars it is to get your estate plan done depending upon where you live and the complexity of what you have going on so um just uh kind of a few last things to think about um you know so that you can be thinking about these things if they apply to you before going in and seeing an attorney uh that add you know some complexity um and and it all deals you know again we talked about the, the people that be in charge, your personal representative of your will, your trustee of the trust, the, the powers of attorney for your power of attorney documents. You know, we talked about those people um, and obviously you'd need to pick them or a business or, and multiple backups for that. But uh, when it comes to beneficiaries, you know, there are different things to think about um, and consider, um, you know, with them. Obviously, what's their age? Are they financially responsible to receive X amount of, of assets right now, or would you want that delayed? Um, do you have concerns about uh, an in-law? Um, I, I've had some of those where, um, you know, the, the spouse of a child, uh, you know, that marriage is not going real well, and there's concerns of a potential for divorce. So do you you might want to set up your estate plan to make sure it only goes to your child and that your um, in-law, your, your son or daughter-in-law, would never have the ability to get half of it if there was a divorce in the future. Um, mm. You know, I know we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, people with substance abuse or, or if there's, um, you know, special needs trust. Those are their own um, kind of unique uh, drafting styles and, and parameters that need to be done around those. And, um, and then the last one, just kind of to, uh, your attorney should go over this with you, um, but there's a, a, an old term that's still used. It's called per stirpes um, or per capita is, is a, the other option. Um, but basically what it is, is, you know, think about this. If, if you're, uh, especially if you're older and you have grandkids is where this comes into play. Um, you know, if, if something were to happen to one of your children, 
uh, and they pass away before you do, do you want their what would have gone to that deceased child to continue on and go down to your grandkids? Or do you want it to be split between, you know, the other still living children, in which case kind of the grandkids would get disinherited. So it's just, it's walking through all those things. Your attorney should walk, you know, should um, talk to you about those and and how to think about them. Um, But it just, wanted to throw all those out there, get, get people thinking a little bit so that they can at least have heard the terms and can maybe be a little better prepared for going in and, and having that initial consultation with the, the attorney. Very good. Anything else? Um, I think that pretty much wraps up, uh, you know, and it's what an estate plan is a lot of the, the different components, obviously each person's situation is very unique um and so you know go get some help uh to make sure you're getting your plan set up specifically for you and obviously one last um you know pitch for it please go see an actual attorney make sure it gets done correctly don't leave um you know kind of the fate of your estate plan up to people who didn't go to law school and you know haven't passed the bar um go get go get a true professional uh to to get that done for you. Boom. Lawyering. Lawyered. Well, it's just, I just want people to get good, you know, good service. I'm not saying that legal document preparers, all of them are bad. That's not my case. It just, it's, it's the, the open heart surgery is the best analogy. If you need open heart surgery, cause it's very complex. You're not going to ask the nurse to do it. You're going to ask the surgeon to do it. Just like your estate plan. It is complex. Even if it's a basic estate plan, there are still complexities in there and things that you need to consider and make sure that an attorney is walking through and considering all of that because that's what they do where legal document preparers don't. And you know, you're going to get an estate plan that fits exactly what you need um, rather than taking a risk on not getting that. So just... Go see an attorney. Awesome. Had a lot of questions and you've answered all of them. Great information. Thank you, Tanner. Um, If you had a question that I didn't ask, feel free to send us that question or suggestions as well are welcomed. Uh, Email us at podcast at financiallysharp.com. That's podcast at financiallysharp.com. We hope this episode has been helpful. And as always, thanks for listening. We will see you in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com. Bazinga.